The Yearbook Internet Sportscast. That's all it takes to do a podcast. Says in the yearbook at Hotmail.com to complain. Minnesota Wild. I hardly even know her. I'm your host, Doug. That's what it says on the yearbook is what we should call the podcast this time. More on that is coming out. The NBA, unfortunately, has had big-time success with players. Well, yeah, thanks for listening. Thanks for joining us. We're interested. (laughs) Well, I thought that went without saying, which is the problem. The NBA, unfortunately, has had big-time success with players essentially forming Super teams. Best player on earth, LeBron James, got Anthony Davis to come to the Lakers. And even though there was more to it than that, L.A. won a championship. A few years ago, the already loaded Warriors signed Kevin Durant and won two championships. And, of course, the granddaddy of them all, back in 2010, LeBron James and Chris Bosh both signed to play with Dwayne Wade on the Heat. And Miami made four straight finals, winning two. The problem with this working is this has left less glamorous franchises out in the cold and has made the salary-capped NBA look like unsalary-capped baseball. Baseball burn! If the Jazz win the NBA championship, which is possible, they're the number one seed in the Western Conference, that would go a long way toward convincing people the NBA can still work, since Utah is one of the poster children for franchises that can't win as long as glamour teams can hoard talent. Then there's the NHL, where the granddaddy of them all has flopped. And it's flopping now, too. Like LeBron James and Chris Bosh with the Heat, number one free agents Zach Parise and Ryan Suter both picked the Wild on the same day in 2012. At the time, the move didn't seem like it would guarantee a winner because Minnesota didn't seem to have much beyond Parise and Suter. And even though there was more to it than that, now nine years later, the Wild almost literally haven't won anything. If you don't watch hockey or don't care, the Stanley Cup playoffs have four rounds. So the Stanley Cup finals would be the fourth round of the playoffs. So you have to win four playoff series in the playoffs to win the championship. Since Parise and Suter signed nine seasons ago, the furthest the Wild ever got was the second round. Twice. So Minnesota has not been getting better. If the Wild wanted to prove something, this was a good year to do it. Minnesota got almost a full season out of Parise, who missed 11 games, and Suter did play every game. Suter also played every playoff game, and Parise at least played most of them. The Wild pushed Vegas all the way to seven games, but lost. That was the sixth time in the last nine years they've gone down in the first round. Even after all this time, Parise and Suter still have four more seasons left on their contracts, but at least half of this experiment might be over. Parise was a did-not-play for the first three games of the series. It was a coach's choice, so the first three games of the series with Vegas, he was not active, so it's possible Parise might not be back in the fall. The rest of the Wild have actually gotten talented, and stretching Vegas to seven games, that was impressive, and that makes you wonder if Suter 
might actually win the Stanley Cup by the time he's 40, which is how old he'll be when that 2012 contract runs out. Look, prior to Suter and Parise's arrival, the Wild had rarely been to the playoffs, and now they've made it eight times in nine years. And I'm sure Parise and Suter have sold a ton of merchandise and a ton of tickets. So the Wild and Parise and Suter obviously have gotten a lot out of this arrangement. But the biggest thing is championships, and the two mega contracts haven't produced even one appearance in the finals, and the Minnesota Wild have not become national obsessions like the Heat did before them. If just Suter or just Parise or Suter and Parise are able to eventually win one for the Wild, the 12-year contracts will have eventually paid off. But back on July 4th, 2012, nine years of mediocrity or a 10-year rebuilding plan was not what anybody had in mind. Do we say that says in the yearbook at Hotmail.com if you want to complain? Uh, Mayor of Easttown ended. We already talked about this. It's over. Well, last week, I got thrown off and I panicked. Uh, And we just watched it, what, like eight minutes before the podcast. So this is like rehash. Man, the entire world apparently disagrees with us on Mayor of Easttown. Your new Sunday night obsession. Decider, what are you talking about? We found, like, one review that saw the same series we did. The performers were great. There is no but. Almost all of the actors were great. The problem was everything else. Everything seemed out of place. The big Oscar scene. What? Why? Why is this happening now? The mischievous, whimsical music right in the middle of seven hours of darkness. Brilliant camera shots, immediately followed by lousy camera shots. Was this shot supposed to wind up in the show? Wait, did this dude and his angry wife make up? Did we miss three episodes? Even the old, everyone's a suspect thing seemed kind of funny. Plus, nothing ever really paid off. See, it sounds like we hated it, but it was just average to above average. Undoubtedly, it'll be nominated for 23 Oscars, but it definitely doesn't deserve that. Maybe two or three nominations for actresses. Mayor of Easttown was any random weekly police procedural show just with more money and better actors. Although Julianne Nicholson was in Mayor of Easttown and any random weekly police procedural show. Ever heard of Law and Order and Law and Order Criminal Intent and Law and Order True Crime? Julianne Nicholson starred in all those, too. Also more interesting than anything that happened on Mayor of Easttown. The teenage cast member with Down syndrome, she had her real-life prom either the day after the Mayor of Easttown finale or a few days before. Can you imagine the pressure? Your big break series finale is happening while your date is driving in to see you from two states away, and it's your prom. So Elio Castroneves, who you may remember from that guy who won Dancing with the Stars, won last Sunday's Indy 500. The souvenir program they were selling at the race had a painting on the cover celebrating the three great drivers who had each won the Indy 500 four times. Then Castroneves went out and immediately made the program cover obsolete by becoming the fourth driver to win four Indy 500s. The coincidental program is even more coincidental because they picked this year. 
to put the four-time winners on the cover. Castro Nevis won his third Indy 500 in 2009. And every year since, people kept saying the same thing. Castro Nevis could win his fourth this year. No one knows the path to winning the Indy 500 like Castro Nevis. That exact thing, verbatim, word for word, that's been said over and over. The three-time winner knows how to win here. Castro Nevis's fourth win has been a possibility and a big subplot every single year for 12 years. But this was the year the series commissioned the cover with the four-time winners. And that's not ironic. It's a coincidence. Congratulations to Castro Nevis, who really, surprisingly to me, was basically pushed into retirement before 2018, despite easily being IndyCar's most famous driver and its only mainstream star. Since then, uh, Castro Nevis has only been a part-time driver, although obviously he still does run the 500. If I have this right... Team Penske, and I hope I have the details right. Team Penske, who Castro Nevis was driving sports cars for in addition to racing IndyCar part-time, Team Penske shut down its sports car team after last season, and that made Castro Nevis a free agent. So Castro Nevis, who said sports cars actually helped. He said racing sports cars actually helped him and expanded his racing knowledge. Castro Nevis, as a free agent, then signs with Meyer Shank Racing. Meyer Shank Racing put him in the Indy car that beat all the others on Sunday, including the four Penske drivers. What? How come I haven't leaped yet? Oh, because uh, after the race, uh, Castro Nevis dropped by a fan's house. A fan had had a Castro Nevis themed house that I think Castro Nevis had seen before the race and vowed to stop by after the race. If he won, he won. And Elio Castro Nevis went back to the fans' house with gifts, like team shirts and stuff like that. And also, he brought the official race program with the now obsolete cover for the fan. Before Castro Nevis left, I would have had him take a Sharpie and, like, draw his car on the cover crossing the finish line uh, with the other three four-time winners. And then, yeah, definitely autograph it.